Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk about denominational diversity and does it help or hinder domestic violence intervention. But before we jump into that topic, I want to take a moment to remind you of PeaceWorks University. PeaceWorks University is our online membership community, and if you are benefiting from the things you're hearing on the PeaceWorks podcast, well, PeaceWorks University is your best next step. You can learn more about PeaceWorks University at chrismoles.org. Okay, so today we've got a question about denominations, and it's an interesting one. Uh in a, in a recent episode, we talked a little bit about uh, Christian teachers and a diversity of teaching and practical theology, and I thought this might be a good follow-up. So the question goes like this. Are distinct denominations a help or a hindrance in DV work? Is it possible for different denominations to work together in a church discipline process when an abuser continues to change churches? Does the existence of of separate denominations create obstacles to abuser accountability and victim protection? And have you ever seen different denominations working together to enact church discipline or hold an abuser accountable? What a great question. And so uh, this is, this is um, a question that I'm just, I'm really glad that it came in because I think there's a both and to this or there's an either or to this. I do think there is a tremendous amount of potential for cross-denominational intervention and help and service. I also think there are hindrances, as the question indicates, uh, but I just want to kind of hone down just a little bit um, about you know, maybe where it works, where the breakdown is, why we're a little bit fearful, Um and walk through the question, you know, piece by piece. So the first part of the question says, is it possible for different denominations to work together in a church discipline process? And I think the answer to that is, yes, it is possible. Uh, Does it always happen? It doesn't. And I think some of that kind of depends upon the, the denomination itself, some of the held theology, um, some of the history, of that particular denomination or group of believers and how they view, you know, denomination number two or the other church. That part of the question goes on to say, you know, when an abuser continues to change churches. And so I think that's actually much more likely and something that we have seen on occasion is when an abusive individual is confronted by a home church that they seek refuge in another church. Now, my experience is some abusers will flee to a church structure that's quite different than the one they came from, but most will flee to a sister church or a church that's very similarly aligned theologically and one where perhaps the pastors are even friends. So we're talking now about locality, and I think that's a huge benefit to cross-denominational work or inter-church or cross-church work when it comes to church discipline. If you already have 
a relationship in a locale, I think the chances of the churches partnering in a church discipline case are much higher if those relationships are good. So let's just take an example from kind of the the conservative Christian world. So let's say that um, Steve um, has been, you know, brought to the church for abuse. He's been uh, verbally, emotionally um, abusing his wife. He's been threatening her. He's been using the finances to control the situation. Um, It has escalated over time. The church leaders intervene. Steve remains unrepentant, and they follow through with a church discipline process over at, let's say, Riverside Bible Church, okay? So I'm making these names up. So any, what is it, any similarity to your church or people named in your church is completely coincidental. I'm just making this up. So what did I say? Riverside Bible Church. So old Riverside Bible Church, their elders are disciplining Steve, and Steve flees the church and goes to church B. He goes over to um, Evergreen Baptist Church. Now, Evergreen Baptist and Riverside Bible, I'm going to get the Baptist and the Bible mixed up here in a second. So Evergreen Baptist and Riverside Bible have had a long history together, and they have very similar theology. And the pastors, Pastor Kevin and Pastor James, have been friends for a long, long time. There's a higher rate a higher possibility that Pastor Kevin's going to call Pastor James once he finds out that Steve, oh man, I'm getting the names right, go go me, that Steve uh, is now attending Evergreen, Evergreen Baptist. And they're going to be able to have a discussion and they could partner together in the discipline process and and create kind of a, a coalition of help. That actually does happen. I've seen that on multiple occasions where like-minded churches in the same communities work together to follow through on disciplinary structures and discipleship that was set out by, you know, the the originating church. So so yeah, when when abusers change churches, that possibility is there. Now, another uh, thing that we have seen is abusive individuals being confronted and fleeing to churches that are that are different and that has sometimes caused some difficulty, um, especially when the receiving church perhaps is a little bit more, um, I hate to say this, but they're, they're either a little bit more welcoming and affirming, meaning they just, they kind of welcome everybody or they're highly conservative or fundamental. And they, they, they tend to be a little bit more skeptical of, of some things. And we've seen that work in an abuser's favor. Um, but does that mean that um, it doesn't happen? Well, of course it happens. Um, and cross-denominational intervention can happen. So to answer the first part of the question, is it possible for different denominations to work together? The answer is yes. Does it happen? Not always. And that's going to depend on some factors. The ones I highlighted for you, the big, the greatest benefit to, to facilitating cross-denominational intervention is locality and relationships. And and honestly, if you're a pastor, and I, this is going to sound, I, yeah, I'll just say, if you're a pastor or your pastor does not have relationships with other pastors in your community because you guys have some slightly different theological pers- 
perspectives, then I think that's a matter, let's be quite honest, I think that's a matter of pride that needs to be broken down. You really need to reach out to some of the other ministers in your area and stop competing but begin complimenting each other and looking for ways maybe even that your church could serve that church. Locality, being a local community, gives you so many more resources by partnering with other churches in a cross-denominational fashion, especially when there's matters of abuse. And so even now, in our little locale, you know, if we had an abuse case in our little church where we had to honor a protective order, um, we have a dozen churches in our area that we could partner with from a variety of backgrounds to help us care for the family, where one family member continued to worship with us and another could you know, during the protective order, worship at another place, whether it be our friends down the road at the Pentecostal church or the Nazarene church or across the river at the Baptist church or down the road at the Presbyterian church. We have those type of relationships where we can serve one another. And the reason why they work is because we live in close proximity to each other. It's not like I'm sending someone to a random um, church from a denomination I'm not part of in Colorado, I'm, I'm asking for help from pastors that I trust, even if we're different, right? And so I can talk to my pastor friend down the road from the Presbyterian church, even though we have different views on baptism, in helping us discipline and disciple people in our community when there's a crisis that requires separation and help. I can talk to you know, my friend at the Nazarene Church, even though we have differing views on sanctification and find help and resources that they may be able to provide that I can't provide. I can go talk to the Baptist Church, which we may have differing views on um, gifts and governance, but we work together closely when it comes to matters of care and counsel. And so there are all kinds of resources locally that we can facilitate So the first part of the question is, is it possible? Certainly. I think locality is a big part of it. I really do. I think if you're engaged in your community, you know the pastors in your community, you know who you can trust, and you know uh, what they can provide, and you know maybe what they can't provide. You You know the ways in which they're going to help serve and the ways in which they may be a hindrance. And so you can manage that alongside them, understanding that they know all that about you too, if you have a relationship. So the second part of the question, does the existence of separate denominations create obstacles to abuser accountability and victim protection? Well, sure. Sure. I'm not saying that the answer is there be no denominations. I do think that the tendency for us to separate over certain things that we believe and practice um, being united on certain things that we agree on as far as mission is actually pretty helpful. I, I do think that it would be difficult, you know, for, say, my denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, um, and perhaps uh, maybe my friends in the, the Southern Baptist Convention to see eye to eye on missions, um, gospel expansion, concepts of worship, church governance. But that doesn't mean that we can't work together say, you know, when we're opening a coffee house in Indonesia, working together alongside other missions agencies and for the expansion of the gospel. But we may need to kind of solidify ourselves in our tribe 
based on the things that we believe and the priorities that we have. So I think denominations are fine. The, the hindrances, I think, occur with priorities So, and with size. So again, I think denominational crossover um, when it comes to intervention is much more likely at the local level. I think once we get to the national level, it's going to be much more difficult um, in the church discipline process because church discipline tends to happen at the local level. I do think there is a need for denominations to take seriously aspects of domestic and sexual abuse and to work together in developing resources as opposed to working in isolation. So a few years back when I was asked to speak to one of the districts in the Evangelical Free Church, for instance, I'm not EV free. Uh, but I have enough affinity for the EV free to know um, the priorities and what I should say and what I shouldn't say and the need. So, of course, I want to jump at the opportunity to serve the EV free. They're a valuable dom- denomination. They, they need domestic abuse intervention training as much as anybody. Um, and that's going to impact their gospel ministry in their churches. So let's jump on board with that. When I was contacted about caring well, I may struggle a great deal with some of the things happening in the Southern Baptist Convention. I think a lot of us do. But it doesn't mean that I I love my Southern Baptist brothers and sisters any less. They need help. And so we stepped into that role. And part of that is I think we would do much better at the national level, right, if the CMA and the EV Free and the Missionary Church and the PCA and the Southern Baptist kind of got together on some of this stuff um, so that we could talk about the problems that we've experienced when it comes to um, domestic abuse, sexual assault, and spiritual abuse. Uh, I know my own denomination, we had to make some some clear changes, some good changes following the um, information that came out about Ravi Zacharias. So Ravi was ordained with the CMA, but I did not realize that he was ordained at the national level. As Even as a licensed worker with the CMA, I just assumed he had been ordained in Canada um, in one of the um, districts. But I later found that he was ordained in the national office. That's a problem for a lot of us because, again, ordination should happen at the local level. And you get more scrutiny you get more eyes on you, and I think that was a big miss for us as a denomination. So we were able to go back as a denomination. It wasn't able to fix the problem. Certainly wasn't able to repair the harm that had been done by Ravi, um, but we were able to find an area where we had failed and hopefully repair that by, again, you know, eliminating that option that, again, I didn't even know was was an option, and then, you know, returning or reiterating that ordination happens at the local level. Is that a perfect system? No. We miss things at the local level, but it's much more likely to be caught at the local level. And that's just some of the things that we try checks and balances that we tried to add after a major failure, after we evaluated and saw that, man, we as a denomination missed it um, and contributed in a way. And so we had to own some of that. So... Yeah, I, I do think denominations can be a hindrance if you're not willing to work together. I think denominational denominations can be a hindrance if leaders are engaged in some of these behaviors. 
um, and they can actually cultivate a climate of abuse if they're not uh, pursuing humility and accountability. Um, and definitely denominational crossovers much harder at the district and national levels. I use the term district because that's kind of how we operate in the CMA. But I do think, let's say, if you have bishops you know, in your denomination, they're really essential, but I don't know that the bishops are going to talk to the DS of another denomination and really have as much impact as, say, a pastor in your town who talks to another pastor in your town and and finding unity over protecting the vulnerable and caring for those in need. And the last part of the question here, um, have you ever seen different denominations working together to enact church discipline, hold an abuser accountable? I have. I have. It's actually pretty awesome. Tends to happen, like I said, at the local level, but I have seen churches pursue people. I've seen a couple cases where the abusive individual fled to multiple churches and they continued to pursue him. They had a team of, <laughs> of pastors and leaders continuing to pursue his repentance um, and hold him accountable uh, from different backgrounds. And so I do think, not only do I think it's possible, I think it's necessary. I think it happens best at the local level and some of the biggest hindrances and obstacles will happen as you go up the leadership ladder. Um, and I have seen it happen and I'd like to see it happen more. Uh, some of the biggest hindrances to that, I think, is not keeping the main thing the main thing. So if if pastor... Let's go back to our original story, see if I can get the names right. So if Pastor Kevin and the elders at Riverside Bible, look at this, I think I did it. If Pastor Kevin <laughs> and the elders at Riverside Bible pursued discipline for Steve and his abuse of his family, and Steve fled to um, Cedar, Cedar Cove Assembly of God, um. So now he's crossed the denominational lines from a Bible church, kind of what we would consider maybe a traditional um, evangelical or maybe even fundamental background church, um, somewhat Reformed theology, uh, to an AG church, uh, which is much more of a Pentecostal church. Um, if Pastor Kevin's unwilling to talk to the AG pastor, or maybe the wor a worse scenario in my mind, is they're in the same town and Pastor Kevin's never talked to the AG pastor because they're just too far apart on things, then that is going to make it difficult. Those denominational barriers are going to be hindered. But I will tell you this. I, I will just, I, I believe this to be true. I think if Pastor Kevin has a relationship with the pastor at the AG church over at Cedar, Cedar Cove or Cedar Grove, whichever I said, uh, AG, and they've had lunch together. They know each other. They like each other. They're friends. It's going to be much easier for Kevin to go over and appeal to this pastor about the need to protect the vulnerable. And there's nothing that I know of in the assembly's theology that would, that would push back and say, no, we want to protect abusers, right? So there is a unity there, even though Pastor Kevin and the AG pastor may disagree about cessationism versus continuationism or women in ministry or any other variety of topics that are important to their denominational structure. They probably agree 
on the gospel and the need to protect the vulnerable and to hold people accountable. But those conversations are best met at the local level. So, so yeah, I love denominational crossover. I think it is a valuable asset to our work. I think especially at the local level, it's most effective. I think at the national level, out of necessity, we found ourselves there. And I, I guess I could add this to the to the the key issue. If you take those of us who kind of do this work from a counseling, care, speaking, right? You know, I'm even thinking about the this the people that I love and that I work closely with. Um, I'll just start throwing out denominations that are no part of this group of people that do this work. Um, PCA, EV Free, CMA, uh, SBC, Orthodox, Presbyterian, um, PCUSA, which some people were like, are you kidding me right now? No. Um, Pentecostal, non-denoms, like there's a lot of wonderful people uh, from different theological stripes that are coming together in unity to to see um, the protection of the vulnerable and to hold people accountable. Now, are, are there some folks in the work that I'm like, man, theologically, we're really far apart? Yep. Yeah, there are. And so we we don't do work as closely together because we can't quite agree on the practical application of our theology. And so we work um, more generally and broadly together. But for those of us that are kind of in this conservative theological, you know, evangelical tribe, there's a diversity of us. And that rich diversity, I think, helps us um, and helps the team on a national level. But certainly when it comes to church discipline, intervention, denominational crossover happens best at the local level. Thank you guys again for listening to the PeaceWorks podcast. If you enjoy what you're hearing, would you let the platform you're, know, you're on know that you enjoy us? Rate, review, subscribe, follow, uh, whatever the platform asks. Would you let them know? For us, we really appreciate uh, you joining us week after week. Thank you so much for being part of the PeaceWorks podcast. Until next time, God bless.